If you knew that Jesus was coming to your home for dinner tonight, what would you do besides hit the panic button? You know, I can't imagine what Marilyn would have me doing all afternoon to get ready. I know how things are when we're getting ready just for dinner eight. You know, while she's working on the meal, she usually has me running the vacuum cleaner or washing the windows or looking for any spider webs that she might have missed the day before when she was cleaning the house. And I can't imagine what it would be like getting the house ready for Jesus or making the last-minute preparations once he arrived. Well, in our text for today, we see this scene actually being played out in the home of a woman named Martha. The account opens in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, Luke doesn't indicate when this takes place, but since he has written his account in consecutive order, we can calculate this to be during the final months of Jesus' ministry. He has set his face toward Jerusalem and what awaits him there, but he isn't yet ready for the final confrontation. Therefore, he is pretty much staying out of the limelight, spending most of his time in less populated areas to the east of the Jordan River, focusing his attention on getting his disciples ready for what lays ahead. During that time, however, he does make several trips into Jerusalem. And this appears to be one of those times, perhaps planning to slip into town for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Luke doesn't identify this certain village, But we learn in John's gospel that Martha lived in Bethany, a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, and it was into her home that Jesus was welcomed. Now, I don't want our study this morning to simply be an historical look at an interesting event. I want us to be reminded that we, too, have welcomed Jesus into our home. And then I think this whole picture would become very personal. In Revelation 3.20, we read, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. If you've opened the door of your heart to Christ, he has come in and he has joined you around the dinner table. So have you responded to his presence? Perhaps you're doing what Martha's sister Mary was doing, listening to his word. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. Now, since the home Jesus was welcomed into was identified as Martha's home, we assume that Mary was her younger sister. We also learn from John's gospel that they had a brother, Lazarus, who Jesus will raise from the dead. But the focus now is on Mary and and her relationship with Jesus. Now, we'll discover in John 12 that on another occasion... When Jesus was dining with Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, that Mary anointed the feet of Jesus with some very costly perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. But that action has led to some confusion about some other anointings of Jesus found in Scripture. When we were back in the seventh chapter of Luke, we learned of an anointing by a sinful woman. She actually wet his feet with her tears in addition to perfume and wiped them with her hair. And some have suggested that Mary was that sinful woman 
and that her overwhelming sense of forgiveness accounts for her extreme devotion to Jesus and her desire to sit attentively at his feet and to hear all that he had to say. But in order for that account to be the same as the one recorded by John, Luke would have had to have misplaced it chronologically because John tells us that Mary's anointing took place six days before the Passover. And then to complicate things even more, in Matthew and Mark, we're told of an anointing that took place two days before the Passover. It also took place in Bethany, but it was at the home of Simon the leper. So we've got some issues here. Well, most modern commentators find ways to to harmonize the accounts in Matthew and Mark with John's and therefore include that there are just two anointings. Liberal scholars believe there's only one, and the accounts have been corrupted. Well, I think I'm going to agree with someone I disagreed with last week, Origen, one of the early church fathers. He said that there were actually three different anointings. One by an unidentified sinful woman in the home of a Pharisee named Simon. One by another unidentified woman who anointed his head in the home of Simon the leper two days before the Passover. And then one by Mary in her home six days before the Passover. I share that with you just to avoid confusion, I hope. Because again, I want us to have full confidence in the historicity and the authority of God's Word. Don't let anyone convince you that there are conflicts in the Word and we should be able to just dismiss it as inaccurate. We just need to take time to understand it. Well, whatever the specific case, I, I, I don't think it's necessary to prove one over the other. It is evident that on this occasion, in our account for today, Mary made listening to Jesus a priority. She sat at his feet as a learner. And what better position could we take than that of a learner at Jesus' feet? If we've welcomed him into our life, into our home, it would be extremely rude to not listen to him. After all, he's not only our Savior, he's also our teacher. And it's imperative that we listen to what he says. Now, he obviously can no longer come into our homes physically. But we can still listen to him. We can sit at his feet by faithfully reading his word. And this we must do. But that's not all. We must do if Jesus is a guest in our home. There are other things that must also be done to show that he is welcome. Hospitality demands certain things of us, as it did Martha. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Now Martha realized that having Jesus in her home obligated her to being of service to him. There were certain responsibilities that had to be met. For one, he had to eat. Now, there's no indication that this had been a planned visit. So she had a lot to do, especially since Jesus wasn't traveling alone. She had at least 13 extra mouths to feed with little or no preparation. I'm sure she wanted to listen to Jesus and would have loved to just sit at his feet. But she couldn't. There was work to be done. I imagine she tried to listen, no doubt sticking her head out of the kitchen door every chance she had. 
But eventually the press of preparations got the best of her, and she was totally distracted. She got so busy that she could no longer pay attention to the Lord. She still knew he was there, but she couldn't hear what he was saying. And before long, she assumed that he wasn't paying attention to her either or to her needs. Now, here she was, working hard for Jesus, and no one, Jesus included, seemed to care. And what really got to her was that her sister was just sitting there, doing nothing but listening to Jesus. She resented the fact that her sister wasn't as busy serving the Lord as she was. In fact, it didn't look like she was serving him at all. Finally, she exploded. And she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving? Don't you care about me? And look at her just sitting there. Do something. She then presumed to tell Jesus what he should do. Tell her to help me. You know, the one who started out serving the Lord was now telling him what to do. You need to be of service to me. I'm doing this for you. You better help me. And I'll tell you what needs to be done. Who's the master now? Do we ever act like that? We realize we have obligations as Christians. And that there are certain responsibilities that have to be met in the church. So we get busy doing them. We start volunteering to take on a leadership role, to teach, to work in the nursery, to sponsor a youth group, to work with a praise team, to help with maintenance of the building or grounds or any number of other things that have to get done. You know, all these things are necessary and they must be done. But it's possible for some to get too busy trying to do too much. It's possible to get so distracted serving the Lord that we can no longer hear what he has to say. We no longer take time to sit at his feet and learn from him. And Martha's not the only one to decide he's no longer paying attention to them, that no one is, or to resent brothers and sisters who are doing less than they. Most, however, aren't as open about their feelings as was Martha. They never come out and say what they're feeling, how frustrated they become in the church, doing all the work, not being noticed or appreciated, or just overwhelmed. And so they just leave the church. This happens. It's possible to get too busy serving the Lord. But then again, we can't all just sit there like Mary all the time. So how do we find the proper balance between listening and serving? I think it can be discovered in what Jesus had to say to Martha. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary. Really, only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, the Lord appreciated Martha's desire to serve him. He loved her. And affectionately addressed her, Martha, Martha. He then went on to say that she was worried and bothered about so many things. 
And I think he recognized that all that she was worried about, all she was doing was for him. She was serving him. But she was trying to do too much. And it was getting to her. She had let too many things worry and bother her. She was getting too distracted, and it was time to slow down. Now, I realize it might seem counterproductive for a preacher to say what I'm about to say. But if you ever start feeling like she did, maybe it's a sign that you need to slow down. That you're trying to do too much. What Jesus then said to her isn't isn't perfectly clear. Nor are we certain how to interpret it. The manuscripts vary a bit here. With some saying few things are needed. Others saying one thing is needed. And others combine the two into few things are needed or only one. It's possible that Jesus was telling Martha that she could just keep the meal simple. With just a few things. Or just one. He really didn't need an elaborate meal. It's possible that he was saying that. A broader interpretation would be that he was telling her that she simply needed to rethink what was really important and that she could reduce the really important things to a few or, if need be, even to one. He wasn't going to be there for long. So which was more important? Impressing him and impressing the rest of her guests or learning from him. If a choice was to be made, Mary had chosen the good part. And he was not going to send her to the kitchen. You know, if Jesus has come into our life, the most important thing for us to do is to listen to him. That's not to say that's all we must do, but it is the most important. Now, if we'll listen to him, we'll soon discover that the Christian life is not just a matter of sitting and listening. There is much to do in the church, in our home. In the world. But the way for us to determine what we should be doing is to first listen. And then do. But if at any time we find ourselves getting so distracted by our service that we no longer hear him talking to us through his word, it's time to slow down. And if we find ourselves feeling isolated and unappreciated and even resentful of others for not doing their part, it's time to stop and get back at the feet of Jesus. If you're too busy to listen to the Lord, You're too busy. If you've welcomed him into your life, make sure you keep the proper balance between listening to him and serving him. And if you haven't welcomed him into your life, I invite you to do so now. Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. 
what is your answer to him? Time after time he has waited before, and now he is waiting again to step toward the Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. Receive him and all of your darkness will end. Within your heart he'll abide. Father, indeed, I pray that each of us here have personally invited Jesus into our life. And I pray that we are being good hosts to him. We're listening to him and we're serving him. Help us to keep that in balance. There is so much to do, Lord, and it's so easy to get caught up in busyness. that We forget who's here. And who we're serving. May we never get so busy that we stop listening to Jesus. It's in His name we pray.